the Hawks were cooking at home at State Farm Arena. It felt like we was in Atlanta. You know, it felt like we had the whole city, the fan base behind us. And, uh, you know, I think that rubbed off on us well. And uh, like I said, we came ready to play from the jump all the way to the finish. Welcome to the Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Lauren Williams. Of course, joined by trustee Dandy Handy, producer Daniel Salerson, and the Hawks finally got a win at home. And we're going to be joined by, of course, former beat writer and uh, Hawks reporter extraordinaire, Sarah Spencer. And we're really excited to have her. So before we get into that, I just want to make sure that if you are listening to us for the first time, that you subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor. But I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. Daniel, the Hawks were cooking. They were. It's good to hear your voice. Barely. No, can we start with that? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, 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 I would say like 85 i've been at like 85 percent voice capacity for the last couple of days so yeah i'm i'm happy to have a voice again but as you can hear it's kind of going in and out so we got to make sure we capitalize on what we got but yeah the hawks were cooking they were cooking uh definitely fed off the home crowd which was great Mm -hmm. um throughout the entire night not as many Boston fans as I expected Same. maybe Same. thought I would see a lot more green than there was inside the arena but we talk about the importance of getting off to a good start um yeah Boston did drain a lot of threes early but every time that the Boston Celtics threw a punch the Hawks were able to answer and I thought that spoke volumes to how much they've grown even in the past couple of days mm-hmm. so very exciting win right back in this series mm-hmm. and see how they respond on Sunday as well yeah of course I think coming out on Sunday and we won't get too far into that but they're gonna have to make sure that they play even better than they played on Friday night just because the Celtics are gonna be even more ready they're gonna be rested because they've been in Atlanta for a few days obviously you never want to make excuses for why a team is able to win because the Hawks played great that's that's just the fact but you do have to factor in that Boston did travel and and that probably did have some effect on them but again the Hawks had a really really good game they were making shots uh the bench was doing its thing and um we got to see some really good defense they got their stops and they were able to generate plenty of opportunities for themselves on the offensive end because of such good defense I mean Daniel when you look at what we saw on on Friday night from this Hawks team what stood out to you the most 
Well, I think a couple of things. One, the play of DeJounte and Trey together. Um, I think DeJounte said at post game that he thought it was the best game. They Those two have played with each other the entire year, 57 points combined, 10-plus um, assists for them as well. I thought those two really took upon themselves to really help carry the team and close it out. And then the bench play, as you mentioned, Jalen Johnson, Steak Bay, both scoreless in the second game in the loss, and then both of them combined for 25 points. Your bench, um, all four, really contributed tonight. And Yeka Kongwu, not only with the eight points, but mm-hmm. defensively, too, had a couple of nice blocks as well. So I think the bench play plus your two guards, I mean, this is what we've been wanting to see from them throughout the entire year, and we have seen it from them, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's either one or the other. Tonight, it was both of them, and they both had a huge impact on the win. Yeah, it, they really looked like that pick-your-poison offense backcourt tandem that a lot of people expected them to be. Uh, I think they fed off of each other really well. Both of them played off the ball really well, and I think we're finally seeing some of that sacrifice that Landry Fields talked about needing to see or them needing to do at the beginning of the season when a lot of people asked, how will this work? So I think the big key for them is just making sure that they sustain it, carry it into game four, just because, the like I said, the Celtics are going to be ready and the, the Hawks are going to need everything that they can from the two of them. I think what we saw in game three in in Murray's case was just kind of a lot of that carryover from games one and game two because he's been playing well this entire series. And I think he is just totally locked in mentally into what this team needs from him. Um, and I think we're starting to see, and I hate to bring this conversation back up, but we're starting to see him be maybe the heartbeat of this team. Yeah, we've we've been wanting to see that all Mm -hmm. season long. We've been trying to figure out who is that guy that's going to be that heartbeat you mentioned, the the leader on the team. And obviously Trey is one of those guys. But you did see it a lot from DeJounte just on what we've seen from him and his media availabilities, the way he approaches things, the way he's able to talk players. He messaged Trey the other Mm -hmm. night when they got home. Those are the kind of little things that you've heard about all season long that kind of allow him to be that guy and I think you saw it again tonight again with Trey Mm -hmm. and Quinn certainly noticed it all season long too so yeah maybe you are starting to see that leadership develop I mean he's Mm -hmm. still such a young player and came from you know Greg Popovich who of course he mentioned he's learned a lot from as well so I think having him as that mentor Mm -hmm. and bringing all of that what experience what he's learned from San Antonio here I think has been invaluable yeah I think the fact that we're seeing that leadership together both Trey and DeJounte speaks volumes I guess to them finally you know figuring out how each of their leadership styles can benefit the team and here's what Quinn Snyder had to say about their leadership tonight they were talking to each other first of all kind of figuring out what they were thinking together playing off each other um you know, and I, I think you saw it in some of the execution, you know, in, in the fourth quarter where they're, you know, I, at one point I was like, I should just be quiet and let them go ahead and handle Because um, they, they were, when, usually when that's happening as a coach, if you feel that, you know, and, and you respect those guys and they are communicating like that, and if they're on the same page, people will play off them. Yeah, so I think what's really, really exciting is just that this team looked on it, on its whole a team. <laughs> Obviously, Trey and DeJounte had really good individual performances, but seven players in double figures on Friday night. What does that say to you about how things on the offensive side worked? 
It just shows what they're capable of, and we've seen it before that they've had seven players in double figures, and tonight was a, a big time, big chance to do that. And you mentioned the unselfishness, 24 assists on 51 made field goals. Obviously, the goals to get between 25 and 30, but I thought they really played well together. And once they started getting stops, too, again, that translates to the offensive side of the ball, especially in transition, and able to get some easy buckets on Boston. So, especially with how good Boston is defensively, you really have to take advantage of getting them on their heels. And I think Atlanta did so when they were really starting to turn. And again, as I mentioned before, every time Boston threw a punch, it seemed like Atlanta had a response mm-hmm. to it. And I just think they were. Again, when you're down 2-0, there's so much motivation and you're playing on your home floor. I mean, it changes the dynamic of your team. And whether they were allowing those threes of Boston, a lot of those were contested too. Just Boston was hitting a ton of threes. They just never really gave up. And I think that was huge as far as them all coming together, playing as one. And once you see one guy starting making down, knocking down shots and others, I mean, between Sadiq and Jalen and Bogdan, I mean, they went 8 of 10 from three by themselves. That's I mean, that's crazy. impressive off the bench. So when you see one guy doing well, you're like, all right, all right. It kind of trickles down to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, Quinn said it in his quote or in his, his little sound that, that we played. It's just everybody's able to feed off of the leadership that the heads of the snake are able to kind of spark. And I mean, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, DeJounte mentioned wanting to emulate the tandem that Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum has but I I kind of want to see them be just Trey and DeJounte I don't want them you know to emulate what works for another team just because I think that these guys are so talented in their own ways and the fact that we're starting to see this connectivity with the rest of the team because you have to think about it you know that you always wonder about the chemistry that's in this locker room. Obviously, the vibes have been great off the court. We see that they enjoy being around each other, but sometimes you wonder, are they as connected as we think they are on the court? But tonight, we saw that they are and they can be, and I think now, moving forward, it's just about consistency. So I think, remember Team team Snip Snap. Team Snip Snap. Um, <laughs> does this mean that they're back at 500? With this win? Let's see. What were they? At the end of the season 40? The end of the season 41 and 41. No, so they're still a game under. They're a game under. Yeah. Okay. Because I thought that... I know win- because of the win and pl- the play-in game. Yes, yes, they are back at 500. Yes, exactly. That seems like so long ago, right. that play-in game against Miami. Team Snip Snap. Team Snip Snap. Here they are. Back, back at, at 500. Em. So that means they should be, what, 43 and 43, 43 now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just would be weird if they're not at 500. I think you'd be more concerned when they're not, just the way they, they've been going. But you mentioned the tan, the duo of uh, Murray and, and Young, and I saw a tweet from Mike Connie that that duo has actually outscored Brown and Tatum by five points, 150 to 145. And I don't know how much you'd read into that because Boston's leading the series two to one, but it's mm-hmm. just nice to see that you are starting to see your two stars, and this is kind of what you expected the mm-hmm. whole series to really start picking up at the most important time of the year. So I think that really does stand out, and you mentioned it. I think everyone kind of has followed their lead, and it showed 130 points against one of the better defensive teams. It's impressive. Yeah, and I think if we're going to talk about how much of a, a connected game is, obviously the offense stands out just because of how well things clicked for them. I mean, you look at game one and how they couldn't buy a bucket 
or uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to bring in a little bit of my uh, Pistons experience in covering the team. Dwayne Casey, the former head coach of the Pistons, had a lot of isms, as we would say, because he's he's from Kentucky, from the South. So there are a lot of um, sayings that he would sometimes throw into his postgame pressers. And one of them, when, you know, the offense isn't clicking, he's like, they couldn't hit the 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 barn with the the fiddle or like something there's something about a barn and a fiddle <laughs> was it a nursery rhyme or oh no it's like they couldn't hit the barn side of a, with a fiddle or something like that and and basically that's what it was for the hawks in game one but they we'll were... have to do some investigating on that one <laughs> but they were they were hitting the barn side tonight because what were they 50 50 percent from the floor 56 percent 56 percent 44 percent from three that's a happy yeah. farm right there that's a pr- that pretty happy barn <laughs> a barn but you know i used to cover the pelicans and monty williams would say they cannot get happy on the farm and oh. i think after just one win you yeah. gotta take that into sunday yes because you don't want to go back to boston down three one in game number five so as much as everyone's going to enjoy this win and i know mm-hmm. they will too sunday is is a big one especially on your on your home turf for sure. And of course, the defense. We have to talk about the defense. I think that was pretty good. Wasn't bad. Considering. I know you, you think 122 points and think yeah. it wasn't that great. And they had 21 threes on the night. But again, a lot of those most threes of, were yeah. contested. And most of those threes came in the first half, they actually. Um, because when I looked back at it, they held the Celtics to 26% shooting in the second half. 26%. One of the best three-point shooting teams, under 30% in the second half. When it mattered the most, they really stepped up on their perimeter defense. I mean, Tatum was 4 for 11, Jalen Brown 0 for 4. I mean, their bench, too, 7 of 10 from Grant Williams and Malcolm mm-hmm. Brogdon, as Brogdon heard the boos uh, throughout <laughs> the whole night, uh, which was understandable based on what he said. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought once they kind of kind of calmed down a little bit mm-hmm. and really again once their offense picked up too again they, they kind of both complement each other well when the sure. defense is playing well the offense really steps up and it also again the effort is there mm-hmm. on both sides with the common goal of, of getting some stops and they knew how much they needed this win so I think they were doing everything they can to, to make sure they walked away on Friday with a win yeah I think the key for them going into Sunday and you know I asked Quinn Snyder about this is that the theme of games one and two is that they were able to play really well for some portion of the game um, whether that was the second half in in game one or that was the first like what five minutes of game one yeah. but Friday they were actually able to string together a full 48 minutes and so I asked Snyder I mean what does it say about this team being able to or has this team taken that step in, in being able to play full 48 minutes? And obviously, it's just one game. You don't want to get too excited. But he had something really interesting to say about how they're able to achieve playing a full 48 minutes of basketball. Yeah, you know, I mentioned in the beginning of the third quarter, I think the, the key thing is when those stretches when you're not playing as well, or maybe you're playing pretty well, but they, they're playing better. Um, that if you can weather some of those storms, you know, and not beat yourselves. Um, and that, that's part of the, the connection and the communication that, um, that really every good team has that gets you through those, those rocky periods. So they're going to come. It's really just a question of how you deal with them and um, as mentally as, as much as tactically. We definitely want to make sure that 
you know, as as we continue to see this team evolve and, and grow, we start to see that consistency and we're no longer talking about the Hawks being inconsistent or consistently inconsistent. So we're going to hear from Sarah after the break. So stick with this. Obviously, well, it's a podcast, but I'm Lauren, <laughs> Lauren Williams, and this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I wanted to take this time to thank everyone who's subscribed to the AJC as well as AJC.com. You guys are what make all of this possible. If you haven't joined our community yet, we do have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access to everything that the AJC has to offer for the next three months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories on AJC, our terrific eBay per, and all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from legendary columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next three months. And you can take advantage of this offer by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. We have a fun guest, Miss Sarah Spencer. Oh my gosh, I'm like chomping at the bit. I was to paint a picture for y'all. I was like in the back corner editing, <laughs> laughing at whatever on earth is going on with like a fiddle in a barn. I don't even know. And Dwayne Casey somehow. Yeah. Um, so whatever he was doing in the barn. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm so like excited. thrilled to be back on this podcast. I. First of all, I want to give huge, a huge, huge, huge shout out to Lauren. She has done such a good job taking over this podcast. You guys are in very, very good hands. And also specifically, yeah. the past week, <laughs> I don't think you guys know how much Lauren has been like plugging, like chugging along mm -hmm. with her voice that like she said like 85%, but for one day it was at zero. It was. And then the <laughs> next day it was at like five and she was like pushing through and yeah. even Quinn Snyder was laughing about it. <laughs> and then like DeAndre Hunter was like, what have you been screaming about, Lord? <laughs> I promise I have not been partying in Boston. No, we were not going out in Boston. No. We were busy bees just working. But anyway, yeah. I just want to commend you, Lauren. You've done yeah. such a good job taking Thank this you. over. And you were working your butt off this past week, even though you weren't, you were like not like sick. You just couldn't talk. I so just you're just like talk. kind of pantomiming. Like what you're like. <laughs> I wish I could act out my questions. You're like asking questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I like, know. I, I sounded like somebody who. I think I still do smokes like 20 packs a day, but <laughs> she that's doesn't. Okay. She uh, doesn't. <laughs> so come for the Hawks report, stay for 
Lauren talking about her voice and a barn and, and a barn and a fiddle. This and is this is how the po- this is how the Hawks <laughs> Report podcast goes when I am here. And if y'all were listening, if y'all listened back when I started it, you guys know y'all remember distinctly when I got mm-hmm. in trouble for these episodes going too long, and that was when we had to go to two days a week. So buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. It's no, late. We don't we have to stay too long. No, no, we love it. We love Sarah's opinion opinions not just one opinion <laughs> my singular Op- opinion <laughs> opinions about about the hawks but really really fast i i just want to i want you to tell the people what <laughs> Hello, you people. have been working on and covering the hawks over this past week um you know traveling around with your camera that looks like a pet carrier isn't it so cute <laughs> okay so when i got this camera um so for those who don't know probably a lot of y'all know because i i told y'all mm-hmm. and hopefully a lot of y'all are still here i do video now for the ajc and for the most part this past year i was on georgia mm-hmm. and um got to cover a national championship which was awesome but i actually really wanted to learn how to shoot and edit my own stuff so i learned how to do that um the ajc gave me a camera it's kind of fun sized and apparently the uh, case for it looks like a cat carrier and my husband said it looked like a cat she, he, he literally said he was like is that a cat carrier <laughs> and I was like we don't have a cat why would it be why would why it be a cat carrier, carrier? Why would I be but apparently the, he was like super vindicated though because someone at Delta when I was when we were in Boston mm-hmm. I'm gonna get to it this is why we go along um, <laughs> when I was in Boston coming home from Boston mm-hmm. flying home um, a Delta agent mm-hmm. was like, is, is do you, ma'am, do you have a pet in there? And I was like, he no. looked like terrified. And I was like, there's no air holes. Yeah. Because there's only a camera. It doesn't need oxygen. Anyway. So <laughs> I have my own camera and I took it all over Boston and got to talk. I, I feel like I did some fun interviews you when did. I was up there. Like I got to talk to Clint Capella, which John was awesome. Collins. Yeah. And like, it's been so cool being around the guys again, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I mean, they all remember me. It hasn't been like forever, you know, yep. <laughs> it's been like one year, um, but it's been really, really good catching up with them. I mean, there wasn't. It was a tough first two games of the series, so I I wish there had been a little bit more, (laughs) like, fun stuff to talk about. But, I mean, geez, now we're making up for it here. And I I still have my camera and and my cat carrier, so I'm still (laughs) still putting in the work here at home. And now it's just, like, muscle memory. Like, I remember this room. I've done this podcast in this room, Mm -hmm. just, you know, like, screaming into this microphone at, like, 2 a.m. before. It's only midnight right now, but. So what you're saying is we're going to see the pet carrier in Boston again for game five. Yes. Yeah. But there's not going to be a cat inside of it because we're not big on animal cruelty around here. There's no cat. I don't have a cat. I have a 45 pound Australian shepherd. She stays at home. She's so cute. (laughs) But we don't want to get too far away from Hawks news. Sarah, you, you touched on it a little bit. Wasn't a fun first two game series, but mm-hmm. now getting to come back to State Farm and and watch how energized these guys are. What's uh, other than the energy? What stood out for you as far as the differences between games one and two, and then on Friday night for game three? So between games one and two, I think game one. I mean, yeah, the, the Celtics kind of took their foot off the gas maybe in the second half, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, you know, uh, game game one happened and it wasn't pretty. Game two it wasn't glorious either, but you could see a couple things moving mm-hmm. in the right direction. Like you could see DeJounte's shots start to fall. You could see, 
you could see potential there. Mm -hmm. um, you could see a strong start, but it was nowhere near enough. That That, that is not going to get it done when you're punching above your weight class. Like you're playing the two seed. You're playing an yeah. excellent Boston team. You're playing a very long Boston team. Mm -hmm. I think Trey had four shots blocked in game two. Yes. Two of them were um, on the same possession. All right. Well, dang, that's just gonna, that's just going to hurt your math right there. Um, and then I think the biggest difference in game three, I mean, number one, okay, if you had told me that Boston would make 21 threes, mm -hmm. the Hawks would have wins. 19 turnovers, Yeah, but the Hawks would win. But I think that's because you had enough guys cooking. Mm -hmm. You had a better defensive performance. Mm -hmm. And then I really think getting to see the way Trey Young and DeJounte Murray played together in the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. played off each other, looked like they loved playing together, mm -hmm. like uh, fist bumping, like chest bumping, handshakes. like celebrating yeah. handshakes, like you know that like that like intense face celebration, mm -hmm. you know, like you look like you're angry, but you're celebrating because yep. you just hit like this awesome three. Yep. Um, I I think that was really, really cool to witness. Mm -hmm. Like the crowd came alive. It was just really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. And of course you have to sustain it. And that's way easier said than done. But I think that right there, I mean, yeah, everybody cooking is big, but that moment right there, really, I guess the final, maybe the final half of the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. you had both of those guys making pivotal plays. Mm -hmm. And when you think of a team having two stars, yep. having two Hitting guys, shots yes, you, so have, you have both of those guys making clutch shots. Mm -hmm. You have, and loving it when the other guy does. That was really cool to watch from game three. So when you think about, the energy and environment that TD Garden had, mm -hmm. and then what they were able to successfully channel in game three with the crowd at State Farm Arena, how, how can they, I guess, turn it into a positive and, and channel, I guess, maybe the, the road crowd and use it in their advantage in game five? Oh gosh, game five. Yeah. <sighs> well, I know, that's, I know that's far ahead, but I, yeah. I feel like we have to think about it because if they're able to use Well, their I mean, home... you, you forced it now, yeah. so it is going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So if you can use your home crowd to your advantage, what's stopping you from using the road crowd to your advantage? I know DeJounte touched on it a little bit mm -hmm. where it's like they're booing the other team as mm -hmm. opposed to us, mm -hmm. but what do they need to use to... I guess maybe flip it. You know, it's so funny because when you're firing on all cylinders, playing on the road. Okay, so let's throw it back mm -hmm. to that Eastern Conference Finals run yeah. that I got to cover, which still to this day is so freaking awesome. Yep. When I when I think I about can't imagine that, the magic. Yeah. So and Trey Young, like the. Trey Young loved being the playoff mm -hmm. villain. You know, you remember like Reggie Miller in the yes. garden, yes. you know, like Trey Young bow at half mm -hmm. court. Um, so I think, I think game four at home, first of all, if you're the Hawks, man, did you need to win this one because you don't want your backs against the wall. Like you've taken care of home court. Mm -hmm. Do you wish you had started out better? Yes. Yeah. But you know how they always say the team who wins the first game on the road, mm -hmm. you know? So you haven't let them do that. No. So, I mean, it's a tall task in game four. No yes, intended. but at le it's a tall task. <laughs> it's a tall, long, yeah, uh, task for game four. But you get it on friendly territory. Mm -hmm. If you can have another, if you can replicate, if you can take some of the things from this game and replicate them, 
give yourself a good chance in game four. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, as far as game five, like playing on the road, that environment, it doesn't have to throw you off. No, I agree. Sometimes like when you're firing on all cylinders and you're, you can be that like playoff villain, mm -hmm. it's fun. I, I mean, I know Trey loves that, you yeah. know, based on like way back when, when I was on the beat and he was, he was just, he loved it. He was yeah. thriving on that. So there's nothing stopping you from doing that. But it, I mean, it is harder because the pressure's on mm -hmm. there, there, that crowd is not going to make it easy on you. So no. you, I mean, I definitely think considering where you're going back, gosh, you have to take care of game four, Yes, man, it, you just don't want your back to be against the wall on the road. I agree. And it seemed so to your point with Trey loving being the villain on the road, it seemed when in Boston in game two, they'd started chanting overrated. He did not like that. He did not like that. And he had a good little spurt there. He had a great little spurt. We, I actually thought that maybe that was a turning point mm -hmm. and that, okay, this is the moment where we see Trey start to cook. Gosh, and they had it. They and got they it did. with it. They had it. They got it with a nine. Yep. Oh, and then they lost and it. And then they lost it. Man, I'm back to doing, I, so now I do visual stuff and I'm back to remembering people can't see my <laughs> hand motions. So I I'm making all of these hand motions. Yep. I promise it's like dramatic and fun if you're here. It is. Um, Daniel sees but, it. He's yeah. nodding emphatically. <laughs> but yeah, no, they, they had it and then they lost it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that's impressive about game three. They never lost it. Nope. They were threatened multiple times. I mean, Boston got it with in one slash mm -hmm. two at least three or four times down the stretch and each time the hawks would get it back up to seven and then they'd hit a couple of threes maybe a couple of layups yep. and then it was like okay someone would call a timeout and readjust and everything like yep. that yeah but i think what it will be interesting is again how they're able to be better mm -hmm. but also continue making these adjustments that they've struggled to make in games yeah. in the season. Yeah. And I guess that's where Quinn Snyder comes in. And I know you haven't been observing him for the full 20 games that he's been here, mm -hmm. but you were here for the Lloyd Pierce years. Yes. You were here for the Nate McMillan years. <gasps> I was, yes. What is it about Quinn that you've observed is mm -hmm. kind of creating this, I, I don't know how to how to phrase it properly without I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I guess do you notice if these guys are looking at the game a little bit differently than than they did when they were coached by Lloyd and by Nate hmm. in I these wonder, situations? I honestly wonder if it's too soon to say. Yeah. And I hate to talk about small sample sizes because mm -hmm. I think you should be able to look at the amount of games there and just talk about what it's been. Mm -hmm. Not having been here for that much of it, I don't know, but it does seem like he's really big on – like he taught – he gave – I mean, the best answer of the night, in my opinion, was him talking about when Trey and DeJounte were playing well mm -hmm. off each other in the fourth quarter. And then he just said, he just smiled and he was like, I just figured I'd be quiet yeah, and just let them do their thing. And I, I mean, I, I love that. Like, I, I love, I think that says a lot mm -hmm. for a coach to be like, okay, here are the keys, yeah. you know, like y'all go drive Agreed. because it shows a lot of trust. And it, first of all, it just shows that it's working it or is. you would, or you wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have something to correct, if those guys are driving the car well, sure. 
you know, yeah. let them do it. And I think that I think that Trey and DeJounte, I know there's been a lot of like, even though I haven't been on the beat, of course, I've been like watching, watching closely. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of talk about with Trey and DeJounte, like, can that pairing work? Mm -hmm. Is that going to work, you know, like long term, whatever? I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's an example. I think tonight's an example of how and I don't gosh, I don't want to make too much of one win because right. we don't want to get too far. ahead. Of I ourselves. was there last year in Miami. OK, <laughs> yeah. when the Hawks won game three yep. and then still ended up losing game. in five mm -hmm. games you know, big time. But I do think that it's encouraging in terms of how those two can work together. Mm -hmm. I will say one part of that I think that is very helpful is um, besides Anyeka Okongwu, mm -hmm. who is right behind him and blocked shots tonight? Mr. Trey Young. Young. It's a defense. <laughs> it's the defense. Yeah. I thought, I mean, he had that one block on Marcus Smart and him and Marcus Smart, I know, kind of, you know, go they back and some forth beef. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that defensive, just, you know, scrappiness of Trey Young, whether he's just getting into passing lanes, being mm -hmm. active, uh, you know, closing out. I, I mean, honestly, just being active and trying to be a little annoying on mm -hmm. defense, you know. I think that him doing that, I mean, I definitely noticed that tonight. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. Do you think that maybe some of that – and he – when I asked him about it, he, he said that it's all about effort. Mm -hmm. So do you, from your observations in those first two games, was mm -hmm. that effort not quite there or Gosh, honestly, was there a difference in the amount of effort? Well, I mean, I think, I think, I do think it's easier to just get like revved up playing mm -hmm. at home. Mm -hmm. I do think that's a lot easier uh, or, you know, I think that's easier to make happen at home, but I also think defensively, I mean, this is a really good Boston team. Yes. And so I'm not making excuses for the Hawks, but I mean, <laughs> like you're what you're like, Boston's been so good all season yes. long. Consistency. Consistency. And this is a tough, uh, what do you guys say? Snip snap. They're team snip snap. Sni team snip snap. <laughs> it's like from the office. Oh my gosh, that team. I was just about to say. Snip snap, snip snap. That's right. Oh my gosh, that meme is like, there's yep. like a couple seconds are like playing on in, in my head right now. What were we talking about? Defense. Yes. Okay. So when you think of just figuring out, because I mean, this team swept them in the regular season. Yes. You're like, I know I was there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just having flashbacks yes, to yeah. those, those three games. The third one was yeah. just bench against bench. And right. the Hawks still got their butts handed it's to true. them. It's true. The third one was weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, I think this is a really difficult Celtics team to like learn how to defend. Really, nobody does it well. Mm, I mean. Maybe the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jalen Brown, you know, I, who was it? Somebody asked Quinn about, and it was a fair question yeah. because it was I mean he, it was mo it, it was correct like I knew what he meant um somebody asked Quinn about when Boston goes small mm -hmm. and Quinn was like that's, that's kind of a misnomer I know it's when like, you're talking about kind of the Celtics like a, that's kind of cute that you ask that but it's not exactly accurate he was, he was like he was <laughs> like I feel you but when all of your wings are six five six 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 seven yes. when all of your when all you know 
Boston has such, you know, length. Mm -hmm. I do think it's tough to figure out how to guard these guys. I I, I really, really do. And you know what? I also think, I think the Hawks made it significantly harder on themselves in game one and game two, which it's not like they were like meaning to miss these shots, okay? But when you miss shots at that high a volume, it does it wear makes, on you. It, it wears on you mentally, and it also makes it so much harder on yourselves defensively. Because mm-hmm. think about it, like that ball is, you know, Long the Celtics times. grab the rebound. Yeah. yeah, especially like game two, you're getting up like 48 threes, mm-hmm. only making uh, 16 of them. Boston gets the rebound, mm-hmm. sh- you know, down the court in transition before your defense is set. Um even if it's not like an official fast break point, you're right. still making it harder on yourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all connected, obviously. But I don't think their offense, which is interesting because, you know, normally the defense is the problem for this team. I don't think their offense did their defense any favors. No. So I may, maybe, you know, effort's hard to quantify, but like they were making it harder on themselves too. I can I can agree with that. And I think to the point of the rebounding, if you look at these last two games – they figured out how to kind of match the physicality that the Celtics are giving them in terms of crashing the glass. They out-rebounded them in game two, out-rebounded them Yeah, 11, again. 11 offensive rebounds tonight. Yeah. Six for the Celtics. Exactly. Over, overall, wow, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I think if they can continue to find this groove, mm-hmm. continue to find ways to compete with these guys mm-hmm. on the glass, especially with taking advantage of those second-chance points, especially since that's become part of their identity, something they struggled with for most of the season. Now they're this team that can score second chance points. Yeah. If they can lean on that, I, I think that gives them even more of a fighting chance in the series. I don't know if I had confidence in this team in those first two games, but I do think this third game gives me a little bit more confidence that maybe they could even force a game six if they can take game four. Well, it's kind of crazy to think about. Like, yeah. I mean, first of all, the, sh- the Hawks shot 56%, mm-hmm. you know, tonight, which, like, is that going to happen again? No. Um, they, Questionable. You know, <laughs> 44% from, from three. three. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's hard to sustain that. It's, it is but. hard to sustain that, but also there are some ways that it's just – it's hard to, like – it's hard to single all this stuff out because also, I mean, the Hawks, they actually, they shot so well yes. that they actually, they made up for it. This was not a perfect yeah. game by them. They no. had 19 turnovers. It did. Like, <laughs> like it's actually, it's weird. It's for like 29 they, points. Oh my gosh. Like if you're a coach watching that, you're probably just like tearing out your hair. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, and a lot of those, I think what were like six of those in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the fourth quarter turnovers were, I mean, they had three. It was felt like before you could blink, like two offensive yeah. fouls, you know, to start the fourth well, quarter. A couple of them too were like, yeah, they were like back to back possessions, mm-hmm. and then the offensive fouls. Mm-hmm. It's like I love Onyeka, but come on, right, right, but just tough say, timing. Just tough some of timing. the some of the fouls were a little. Suspect. Some of them were, yeah, and but you know what? Like that's gonna happen. Exactly, it's going to happen. It feels like it only happens to you, and it will only for the rest of time only happen to you. But like it happens to everybody. It's yeah. just that you're not pissed off when it happens it to the other side. And I mean, true. I definitely agree with you though. Yeah. Like I, I really, I really earnestly do. Like some of those were, were I would not, I don't agree with them. Agreed. But I, I do think like the, our larger point stands mm-hmm. of like 
this actually wasn't even a I know there's so many weird sounds yeah. in this room <laughs> I would that would always happen so like this weird sound just happened like it and sounded like up. yeah it was like is it raining is that a is that a wagon I know, like, I like rolling down caving in yeah yeah honestly I'd probably just still just like keep doing this podcast because yeah. I love it so much um <laughs> like roof situation whatever. whatever anyway um so yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting to think about because then, then I start to think, I mean, it's hypothetical, but it's mm -hmm. like, okay, do you have to shoot that well if you didn't have 19 turnovers? Right. You know, if you played if you played more mistake-free, because I, I was kind of going into game three thinking they need to be the as Hawks are the team. Exactly. The Hawks are the team that cannot afford to make mistakes, mm -hmm. especially with the way the Celtics had been shooting. But then it's like in game three, it kind of like flipped and it's yep. like the Hawks were shooting so lights out that you could afford some turnovers and it they weren't going to kill you right but would you rather would you rather not walk that tightrope yes, yes you'd rather play absolutely. clean and trace you know. himself at shoot around before the game that against the celtics they can't make mistakes yeah so because you're, you're like you're you're the seven trying to beat the two like you you have to be clean i remember you told me it's been what it hasn't happened since 2010 that it's that a second seed has fallen to a seventh seed. Yeah, yeah, the it? Spurs in 2010 yeah. are the is the last team. If you guys watched my video um, when I was in Boston, yeah. um, <laughs> we've done so many of them that me and Lauren have lost count of which video Blend is which. Together. Just go on YouTube and watch them all in order, you know? But yeah, it was the Spurs uh, beating the Mavs mm -hmm. in 2010 is the last time a seven seed has defeated a two, you know, as far as like taking the series. Exactly. Um, so it doesn't happen all the time for a reason. It's difficult. It's very, very <laughs> And difficult. I mean, I think the Hawks probably are thinking, well, they're probably not thinking about it now, yeah. but going into, they're probably busy, um, <laughs> but going into throughout the regular season, you know, yeah. down the stretch when you're, you are thinking about positioning, it's mm -hmm. just human nature. Like going back to team snip snap or snip, snap. you know whatever. <laughs> snip snap snip snap. Um, I think the Hawks. I mean, gosh, for them to be 500, I thought this roster was mm -hmm. better than that. And you know, actually, I, I think it is. I, I, I think it is better than. I think this. I think this roster is. You know, underperformed talent. Bit. I think this roster is talented and mm -hmm. and had more in them. But you know, I mean, they they beat Miami. I think it's commendable and impressive the mm -hmm. way that they beat Miami which had been such a tough matchup for them and I I mean you put yourself in a tough position mm -hmm. you know because like it's not often that a seven beats a two but I mean you got one win under your belt so now you just you you build on it like Agreed. now now you've brought some positive energy into I don't know the city yeah. like it was really cool to see how the city got behind them Agreed. on that Eastern Conference finals run and you know playing at home I think mm -hmm. can really getting that energy at home can can really help I wonder too now if this win in game three maybe brings out a few I mean this I mean it was sold out tonight oh yeah yeah yeah. it was and, loud yeah and the Hawks have but had, it'll only build it can only build exactly and the Hawks had <laughs> 38 sellouts during the regular season, believe it or not. You know, you would think that a team that was snip snap <laughs> would not have as many sellout games, but you would wonder if because of this win on, on Friday, if the crowd that comes in on Sunday is going to be even more enlight or uh, enlivened. Yeah. And, and the Hawks can feed off of that. So when you look at game four, as we, you know, wrap up this podcast for tonight, 
as we wrap up our <laughs> two hour long podcast. I mean, I can talk, honestly, I could talk basketball with Sarah all night long. I know. <laughs> and I love that we get to talk basketball a lot, though. Again, go to our YouTube channel and I, subscribe. <laughs> because Lauren comes on our video segments every single time <laughs> and brings her Hawks analysis. There's so many, there's so many mediums yeah. for Hawks analysis with uh, Lauren L. Williams. <laughs> um, but yeah, so looking at game four. Yes. What would you say? Obviously, you can't really say the Hawks have to focus on this one thing because they're just not in a position where they can do that because no. of the hole that they've dug themselves in. Yeah. But if you were to prioritize what they should focus on, what is it? What is that for you? Oh, gosh. OK, so there's a number of ways I could take it. And I'm not going to take it all of those ways. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit myself here. I mean, it would be really easy to be like, you know, they should just really shoot the lights out in the building. You know, it'd be really easy to be like, they should limit turnovers. I also think I will. I also think what was really big Mm -hmm. was in game two, especially Mm -hmm. the Celtics were really trying to keep the Hawks out of the paint. Mm -hmm. Um, Tonight, let's see, 54 points in the paint for the Hawks, 40 for the Celtics. Mm -hmm. Um, Hawks were 27 for 44 in the paint. I mean, I I think that, and you, you, man, did you see that in the fourth quarter with Mm -hmm. Trey getting to his floater. And he thrives when he gets to his floater. When he gets to his floater, he just cooks. It's like he, it it invigorates him. Yeah. He hits it, he's like, all right, I'm back. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's like, it really, actually, that's a really good way to put it. Like, you can see it's palpable, you know? It's palpable when those shots start falling and it's just that, you know, little soft touch at the rim, maybe a couple feet further out. Mm -hmm. I think that the Hawks having more success in the paint is really, really key. Mm -hmm. And not letting Boston bully you, not letting them, uh, yeah, I talked to Clint Capello about, don't let them shoulder you out of the paint. You, You can't just not play in the paint. Like, you know, I mean, of course you want to have success from three as well, but, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I, I think having success from three is not a great thing to not that they are, but mm-hmm. you don't want to rely on that. You know, like you, you want to make sure you can dominate in the paint or at the very least really compete in the paint. And I definitely saw that in game three. Yeah. So I think as far as maybe the most like reliable thing of like if you thrive with this, yeah. your chances are pretty good. That's that's probably what I would pick. But I mean, a lot of other things got to go right, too. Yeah, but that's probably what I would pick. I'm going to flip it. And I'm going to say, yes, points in the paint. But I think the big thing for them is continuing to keep Boston out of the paint. Oh, good point. Yeah. I think that's honestly what worked really, really well for them tonight. Because when we look at games one and games two, they were getting killed on those backdoor cuts. Oh, we were we were sitting next to each other in Boston, and every single it, it was Robert Williams, yes. a, 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 like a handful of times. Yes, every single time, me and Lauren would look at each other, and we'd just be like, <gasps> exactly. And tonight, he only had four points. Yeah, yeah, minus yeah. five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was so, big. And then uh, which is probably like defensive awareness and communication yeah. too yes. and just being more I mean just being more aware in transition. Yeah, and I think the other big thing thing that I was actually pretty shocked about and I know Al Horford isn't necessarily like 
again, we're, we're starting to branch into a whole new subject again, but Daniel's telling me, <laughs> wrap it up, Lauren, wrap it up. But no, have, embrace <laughs> the chaos of having me as a guest on it. this podcast. But I have a really good point, I promise. <laughs> I think, too, you know, Al Horford isn't necessarily you know the flashiest scorer sure he he didn't have any points until the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and he started to i remember looking i was like did he score at all in the first three quarters quiet he was very quiet and then he just went off mm-hmm. so i think the thing is with the hawks is just making sure that they don't get trapped in those screens that he sets because he sets some of the most amazing screens that I've ever seen. I don't know how anyone is able to get out of them. Yeah. I mean, the way that he's able to just able to just open things up for guys to have those clear paths to the lane, be able to knock those shots from three down uncontested just because he's keeping, you know, Hawks defenders away from from the Celtics. So it's just making sure that they also keep him occupied. And I think some of the guys that they matched up with him just made that so much more effective. And and I think because of the communication, the Hawks weren't getting into some of those mismatches and some of those Boston switches. So again, just making sure every player is important. Every player for Boston's important. Exactly. You can't you can't lose track of anyone. You can't lose track of anyone. So yeah, so for me, it's making sure that they continue to keep Boston out of the paint. And obviously, you don't want Boston shooting a ton of threes. But if you're closing out quickly enough and like at least contesting the shot with a lot of effort, you can live with it if, you know, it falls down. Because at the end of the day, you can't control where the ball goes once it leaves the shooter's hand, you know? Love so, that. Agreed. Yeah. But we'll be back talking more basketball hopefully so much for having Sarah will come back and we'll be chaotic again and drive Daniel crazy please I love it I love it I'm such a podcast problem child but I love it it. and it's like it it honestly is genuinely this will be short Daniel I promise it honestly (laughs) is genuinely like sentimental to be doing this it's so much fun so I like seriously like it's been such I just I've been having so much fun covering the Hawks with you. It has been great. It's been great to have like a road buddy and like lonely. You just like bouncing ideas (laughs) and like Lauren like is I'm talking about you like you're not here, but to the audience, Lauren is so good at what she does. She's so good at basketball analysis. And I mean, I know we at the AJC, we're really, really lucky to have her. But yeah, no, this is this has been awesome. Thank you. This has been awesome. But again, we'll be back talking more basketball with you all. We're gonna be back again after every playoff game because there are two more now (laughs) so we'll be back for at least two more hopefully more i'm lauren williams joined by sarah spencer daniel salerson and this is the hawks report from the atlanta journal constitution ocean breeze tropical beach pina colada You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.